Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we begin a new journey together. We begin a new series called Eternal Rewards. Should Christians desire rewards in heaven? Is it a wrong motive to desire what God says you and I can have in eternity? Many Christians have the wrong perspective when it comes to eternal rewards. And in this series, we are going to attempt to take God's Word and give us the right perspective and to give us the right motivation for what God desires you to have in His kingdom. Well, today we're going to begin, we're calling this the foundation of eternal rewards. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul says that each person, we are building our lives out of one of two materials. Either we're building out of gold and silver and precious stone, or we're building out of material that is cheap, things like just wood and hay, that when God tests our lives with fire, it's either going to purify, it's going to strengthen, it's going to have greater value in heaven, or it's going to burn up, and Scripture says we'll suffer loss. We're going to explain what all of this means in this sermon that is called the Foundation of Eternal Rewards. I hope that you'll plan to be with me through each step of this series as we explain the crowns that the Scriptures identify and how one day we will cast our crowns at the feet of Christ. I hope you'll be with me through this entire series. Well, let's go to God's Word today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the foundation of eternal rewards on this edition of Awakened to Grace. Today I want to launch a new series called Eternal Rewards. I want to talk about over the next six weeks or so what it means to have an eternal perspective. How do we not live for the temporary? How do we not live only for this life? For how many years or however many decades that the Lord gives us in this world? How do we live for eternity? Because what the Bible teaches is that we currently live in this present evil age. Well, my friends, if there is a present age, then that means there is an age to come. So you have to understand, when God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, all he was was dust turned into flesh. It was not until God breathed life into Adam that he became a what? A living soul. Making mankind unique from all of God's creation. We are different than the ranks of angels. We are different from even animals and other things of God's creation. What makes mankind so different? We bear the image of God in the fact that you and I are a living soul. And what does that mean? That means that when this flesh dies, and just as we came from the dust of the earth, so we shall return to the dust of the earth. But what happens to our living soul? That will go on for eternity. Why? 
because we are created in the image of God. C.S. Lewis said it better than anyone that I've ever heard articulate it. C.S. Lewis said, most people believe that we are a body that has a soul. No, we are a soul that happens to have a body for a short while. Who you truly are, who I truly am, is a living soul created in the image of God. And our soul will live forever. The question is where? Will we live in heaven or will we live in eternity in hell? Well, why was hell created? Did you know hell was never created for mankind? When God created humanity, he did not create hell for man. Hell was created, the Bible says, the scriptures tell us, it was for the devil and his angels. Why? Because of their ultimate act of rebellion. Now, I want you to note that for those of you who are note takers, because where I'm going to begin today is the ultimate act of rebellion. And where I'm going to end today at the conclusion is our ultimate act of worship. And I'm going to try to thread the two together. The reason that hell exists is because Satan and his demons rebelled against God Almighty. And do you know what happened when man rebelled against God? We joined the rebellion of Satan. So why does man now go to hell, those who are apart from Christ? Because we are part of his rebellion. But Christ came. The second Adam, what the first Adam could not do, the second Adam did. Christ came to ransom us. Christ came to die for us. Christ came to be the Lamb of God that could take away forever the sin of the world. So, now, we must understand that the years, the decades, the time that God gives us on this earth we will give an account for how we've lived. Now, the great separation between those who are saved and those who are lost, the Bible is expansive in its teaching. The Bible says that just as one would separate sheep from the goats, one day Christ will separate the saved from the lost. What a frightful thing. The Bible teaches that those who are born again will one day give an account for their life. And what that is called is the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema judgment seat of Christ. And those who are without Christ and still in their sin and they bear the weight of their sin, they will stand before what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. Those who are in Christ will never stand before the great white throne judgment. And those who are without Christ will never have the experience of the Bema judgment seat of Christ. They are two completely different events for sheep and goats. Now I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. I want over the next several weeks to give us a clearer understanding of eternity and what we can expect because the Bible tells us. 
What is the wonderful news for those who put their trust in Christ is that we will never bear the weight of our sin in judgment. Do you know why? Because Jesus did that for us. Christ absorbed all of the wrath of God on our behalf. Now, those who stand at the judgment seat of Christ, they, those are believers, those are sheep, those are sons and daughters of God, and we will never bear the weight of judgment of sin because Christ did that for us. So what's the purpose of the judgment seat? I'm going to explain that today. But those who don't know the Lord, those who are left to bear the weight of their sin, they will give account before the great white throne judgment. And what will be the sentencing of that day? The Bible says they will be thrown into the lake of fire. You say, oh, but Chad, that's not fair. Oh, but see, we are on the wrong side. We are in the rebellion against God. That's why man will go where Satan and his angels will go. Because we are part of the same rebellion. Until we have put our full faith and we have put our full trust in salvation by Jesus Christ. He is the door to heaven and there is no other way. Amen. Now what's the judgment seat of Christ? The judgment seat is where Christians will give... An, Christ will do an assessment of our lives. We will not be judged for sin, but we will be judged for the opportunities. We will be judged for the motives that we did. If you want to learn much more about the Bema judgment seat, you can go on our website, awakentograce.com. You can go on our free mobile app, Awakened to Grace. When you go to our sermons there, there is a folder there, a series called Eternity, What Are You Living For? In that sermon, in part one, I went to 2 Corinthians 5 and I break down everything I know about the judgment seat of Christ. It's not everything to know, but I assure you it's everything I know. And we talk in part one, the judgment seat of Christ, part two, the great white throne. You can look at that on your own and you can go back and see the teaching there. Today, I am doing a foundation talk on what we are going to study for the next six weeks. The Bible identifies five crowns of Scripture that you and I can win. Five crowns. And beginning next Sunday, we're going to break each of those five down, and I will try to go in depth explaining the meaning and the purpose behind each crown. <coughs> I think there are many, many more that Christians can obtain. I think Scripture, when it gives us the five, it is not an exhaustive list by no means, I do not believe. I think it gives us a taste. It gives us a, uh, it gives us a, a glimpse into what we can earn. What did Paul say? We see through a glass dimly on this side of eternity, on the side we're on now. So today is going to be a foundation of where we're going. I want you to understand why we give an account for our lives, where we give an account for our lives, and when we give an account for our lives. And then the next five weeks, we will break down the five crowns of Scripture. Look with me now in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. 
If you notice verses 9 to 11, Paul is going to make an argument that there is only one true foundation in life, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. If you are building your life on any other foundation, you are in a world of trouble. People who purchase a home and they don't understand or realize that the foundation has been cracked, they're in trouble. The scriptures teach, Jesus taught, that there are two foundations, the sinking sand and the solid rock. And friends, if you're building on sinking sand, let me assure you, you are in trouble. And when you look at that teaching in Matthew 7 through the lens of eternity, you really understand what Jesus is teaching. So understand Paul is going to reinforce this idea in 1 Corinthians 3 by saying there isn't but one foundation and that is Jesus Christ. And what he's saying in verses 9 through 11 is that each person needs to be careful how we are building. Are we building rightly throughout our lives so that one day when we stand before God and we give an account for the precious life he has given us, for the decades he has given us, for the family he has given us, for the calls to serve and the opportunities we've been given, will we have been found faithful? That's the question. And Paul says, I want you to note it with me, in verse number 12, Paul teaches there are various types of building materials that you and I can choose. He puts it like this. There is gold, silver, and costly stones, precious jewels. Okay? Or someone perhaps might choose to build out of wood, hay, and stubble. In other words, they may do, they may uh, with their life show great quality. They may with their life do some, you know, do things that are of great sacrifice. Or the alternative is they'll take the easy way out. They'll go the cheap way. They'll go the convenient way. They'll bypass what is hard and what is difficult and what is costly. And they'll take what is convenient and what is easy. And so Paul says that each of us are building our lives out of one or two sets of building materials. And either we are choosing solid things, valuable things, such as gold, silver, and precious stones, or hay, wood, and stubble. Now follow his logic. In verse number 13, notice what he says. Each one's work is going to be manifested. Oh, that is a heavy phrase right there. Each one's work is going to be manifested. Now, let's understand. Let's dig around a little bit right here. I I, I think a good word picture to understand this when he says manifested is that we are not going to be able to hide any motive from the Lord Jesus Christ. See, right now, as I preach this sermon today, you realize the way God is evaluating me. When I stand and I give an account for this day and this work, this service that I am doing for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord is not going to evaluate me based on how polished my speaking is. He's not going to evaluate how effective of a communicator I was. He's not going to evaluate me on how well my memory was or if I could get across all my points or how good of a teacher perhaps I was. No. Do you know what God is going to evaluate? My motive. 
In other words, I can love to preach or I can love to the people that I'm preaching to. I can do it just to hear my own voice or I can do it out of obedience and service and worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's my motive that's going to be evaluated with God. Same with you. Whatever you do for the Lord Jesus, what's your motive? He says that each one's work is going to be manifested. I think about just even this morning, those who are serving in our parking lot team. Would you want to serve on a cold, rainy morning like this? I think about those who get here early and begin brewing coffee for our congregation so that people can enjoy that. I think about people that are in kids' church and those who give up Sundays and they give up teaching times. People who have worked all week long and yet they've given up their Sunday to serve back there. God bless them. Amen. I think about people who serve in many different capacities in our church. I think about the care team and those who uh, are small group leaders and shepherd people. I think about those who work in all the technology and all of the worship. I think about those who serve in prayer ministry. What a vital thing that is. All over people are serving. But you know what's going to be on display one day? Not just what we did but why we're doing it, our motives. I think about the generosity of this church and the way people give and the faithfulness that you do. Oh, thank God for you. But see, even as I try to be faithful to the Lord and I give not unto you and not unto anyone else, I give as unto the Lord. See, one day, My motive is going to be assessed. More so than the amount, the motive. Does that make sense? Someone can give the uh, the Lord a large sum, but if the motive is wrong, that will be assessed. Each one's work will be manifest. In other words, think of it like this. You can drive through a subdivision and you can see the most beautiful home on the outside, manicured lawn and all of the bells and whistles, but inside it be a nasty hoarder's nest. You know what the judgment seat of Christ will be like for believers? I don't care what you look like on the outside on a Sunday morning. It's what's on the inside. Amen? And that is what's going to be manifest. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, the scriptures say, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That word appear, the Greek meaning, the original meaning is to be turned inside out. We will not hide anything from the flaming eyes of fire of Jesus Christ. That's why when we struggle with sin, as we all do, when we, struggle, when we struggle with pride, as we all do, when we have shortcomings, as we all do, that's why we are so wise to pray Psalm 139 with David and say, God, search me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me, O God. 
I would rather do it now in this life than to do it at the judgment seat of Christ because my life will be made manifest. How will it be made manifest? Oh, oh, I forgot my phrase. When will it be made manifest? Look what it says. Paul says, for the day will disclose it. That's a capital D, for the day. What is the day? Friends, that's judgment day. That is the judgment seat of Christ. That is when you and I will give full account of our lives. Now, remember, you will not give account for sin if you're born again. So what will you give account for? Missed opportunities or opportunities you've done well with. Motives, whether they were pure or whether they were impure. God will assess, again, it says 2 Corinthians 5.10 is one to really link in your own personal study with this. We, will, we must all appear for the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things done in our bodies, whether good or bad. So that means that either you're going to have good motives or bad motives. Either you're going to have good work or poor work. Either you're going to do the hard things in life, the sacrificial things, or you're going to do the quick and convenient and easy things of life. Either your life is built out of gold, silver, and precious stone, or it's built out of hay, wood, and stubble. I heard one time a story about a contractor who had built many gorgeous homes throughout his years of construction. He came upon retirement and he was so excited to retire. It's the only thing that he lived for. His boss came to him and said, I understand that you're retiring, but I have one last project for you. Will you please take it on? Reluctantly, very reluctantly, he agreed. And so he got into the project, but he lived for retirement. He lived to take his ease. So, after a lifetime of quality work, he began to cut corners. He cut corners here and cut corners there and did everything as fast and as easy as possible because he kept thinking, all I want to do is retire. At the end of the project, when when his boss came to evaluate the work, he handed the builder the keys And he said, this is my gift to you. Enjoy your retirement. And he was filled with regret that he didn't do a better job. Are we not in the same potential danger? That we rush through this life trying to be as comfortable as possible trying to accumulate all that we can. And we're not living for eternity. Each one's work will be made manifest. When? For the day will disclose it. See, I can't see your motives, and you most certainly cannot see my motives. It's going to take the day, it's going to take the judgment seat of Christ to truly reveal it. How will our motives be revealed? Well, Paul tells us. I'm so glad you asked. Look what it says. By fire. By fire. I want you to write down 
a principle. Man and fire are inseparable. Humanity and fire are inseparable. See, either you are marching through life without Jesus headed toward hellfire, or you are marching through life serving to the glory of God, and one day fire will test the motives of your life. Have you checked out our collection of books? I would love to invite you to read the books that I have written where you can find them on Amazon, you can find them on Audible, you can find them on Kindle or at awakentograce.com.